God's oldest have always been among his choicest. And we actually have a whole chapter on who does God say that I am, where we go through scripture and we show God's attitude toward the people who are in their graying years of life. And guess what? He loves the graying years. He loves the people who are older just as much as he loves the young King Davids. And and we find that very encouraging. We're fearfully and wonderfully made for every stage of our life. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking your leadership skills to the next level. Whether you are a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to this podcast, everyone. We're so excited to have the third in a series about launching your encore. And I have my guest here again in my studio here in beautiful Colorado. Welcome, Rick. Good to be in your studio. Yes, and we had a beautiful little dusting of snow last night here in Colorado. And you're just a California boy, so. Yeah, I'm freezing, actually. All that means out there, that snow is just, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll be getting to back to your beautiful California here shortly. You and I are excited that we have written a book together that we dreamed about for about five years. What's the name of the book? Launching Your Encore, Finding Meaning and Purpose Later in Life. Right. By Hans Fenzel and Rick Hicks. You and I have been friends for a long time. And as we've been going through this transition in our own uh, life, we realize we have a whole lot of life left after our main act career is over. And that's really what this book is all about. It's really for anyone over 50 years of age, for baby boomers, of course, of which seven to 10,000 boomers are turning 65 every day and will for the next 10 years. That's a lot of people getting old. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's also a good book for you who are have parents who are boomers if you want to understand the transition that they're going to be going through. Because what we've observed is we don't believe in retirement, do we, Rick? We do not believe in retirement. Retirement is a four-letter word. <laughs> so we are very, very interested in uh, doing some significant stuff and some exciting and adventuresome stuff and finding meaning. And purpose later in life. So this is an episode on choices, the choices. It could go either way. And it really is so critical at this stage in our life. One of the things that we want to do before we talk about all the options is to warn people that choices are coming and you have to make choices. At this stage of life, your career changes, your family changes, your health changes, many times your geography. We're going to talk about some of those things. But the worst thing you can do in your 60s is to stay on autopilot and just keep reacting to the changes around you. Our premise is that we want to help you be proactive, not reactive, and to make the right choices going into this encore stage of life. Yeah, I think I think the whole idea of the book is that you be intentional, that you actually know what you're up against and you actually give it some thought. And what actually unfolds, we can't always control everything, but we can think it through and we can be intentional and not just let it happen to us. In our book, we have lots of great stories. And uh, you you love the story of Santiago, the old man in the sea. And you've drawn a great story in our book about how 
his story applies to our story. Well, you know, I think uh, most of you are familiar with The Old Man in the Sea. You know, I think we all had to read it like back in the ninth grade, back when we didn't really appreciate good literature. Um, and, you know, I was it was a snowy day and I was in Pennsylvania a few years back and I didn't have anything to do. And I actually just went over to a bookstore, picked up the book and reread it. And, you know, this whole idea of The Old Man in the Sea, it just illustrates what we're trying to get through in the book. And that is as when we get to a certain age... And, you know, we never really know how old Santiago is. He's, he's an old man in the fishing village. Um, and when we get the picture of who he is and what he's up against, it's a similar picture of what a lot of us may be up against. We're, we're changing. You know, the, the young people, the young fishermen in the village, they kind of didn't like him. They put him on the defensive. And, but he had such a passion for life. He had such a passion for fishing that he just said, you know, they all want me to kind of step back. I'm not going to do it. And he got out in his boat every day, and he just drug his weary bones down to the shoreline, got in there, and went out and just had this incredible passion to say, I'm still in the game. I still have something to offer. Maybe other people tell me I don't, but I do. And, and along the way, um, he had this young boy that he actually mentored in there, which I, I just think is kind of a bonus part of the story. As, as we're in that stage of life, there are others that we can kind of share our passion with. So he goes out there, and if you remember the story, um, he just goes out and they keep ridiculing him. You go out, you don't come back with any marlin, you go out. And finally, one day he hooks into one, and it's the biggest marlin he ever caught and there are all these analogies yeah by the way didn't he go out further than he had ever gone before into the atlantic yeah way further and which i think is a cool thing at that old age stage of life he ventured further than he had ever ventured before out of his box to prove that he still had something to offer and you know i mean there's a lesson in that in its own right and that is i mean and i I don't want to sound uh too uh weird here but what do you got to lose? I mean, if he would have, if he would have drowned and never come back, what has he got to lose? He's lived his life, and it's like you know. And I really challenge people: Why don't you take some chances? Why don't you try something you've never tried before? Um, and it might lead to one of the biggest things of your life. Well, certainly for Santiago, it led um, to catching this huge marlin. Uh, and then, I, without getting into the story too deep, ultimately it is society was saying you're done. He was saying I still have passion. He gets the biggest thing in his life that he's ever done. There are still challenges. You know, he, the sharks came and you know ate the marlin. And he had to kind of fin off the sharks and all these other things. Just because we do something doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. Or we can sit on a bench on the beach and watch life go by. And Santiago chose not to do that. In our book, we encourage you not to just sit on a bench on the beach and watch life go by. I love the fact that uh, the young people around him uh, changed their view of him as he got older. There was a time when he was the man. And for all of us, you know, we, we have stages in our life where we are on the stage of life and we're the stars, so to speak, because it's our time as a generation. But then, as we said in a previous podcast, none of us are indispensable. And whatever you're doing, it will come to an end. There's very few people that can do their life work until the day they die. 
of course, unless they die early. But, you know, we have to make some shifts. And I thought it was interesting that the young people kind of, the older they got, the older Santiago got, the more they had a negative attitude toward him. And he proved them wrong by saying, hey, I've still got something to to give. So, Rick, you were going to make a point about, in the terms of preparation, this is about choices that have to make. And one thing we've done is kind of identified four big circles, four big areas where choices are looming. Yeah, and um, if we could help you with anything as you look into the future. So if we have some people, you know, in their 50s and younger reading this book, and those of us up into our 60s as well and beyond, uh, we have to look and say, how are we going to kind of live out this world? And there are some things that if we're a little bit more intentional about, it just might end up better for us. And one of the things you have to really consider in your encore is just financially. How are you going to handle things financially? You know, if you're starting to look for your retirement plan and you're 62, you probably missed it. You're probably in trouble. And you know that all the statistics tell us that the vast majority of Americans have missed the boat on this thing. Now, we're not here to depress you. We're here to say wherever you are in life, look at it. What do you need to do? What do you need to put away? What changes do you need to make? And it's going to be a different answer for everybody. We're just saying, ask the question, where am I financially? A lot of websites, uh, Social Security, the government gives you help on understanding where you are. It's a big deal, though. So one of the big points in choices is what are you going to do financially? Kathy and I just went through this. My wife and I just went through this. And we actually made some very significant changes, realizing we wouldn't be in a position to live the kind of life we wanted to live. Now, I said it that way because I didn't want to say retire. If we retire, and we, we always have to keep coming back and defining retirement. Retirement means not doing the work I'm doing now, but being in a financial situation where I can do what I want to do. For us, that's still going to be involved in ministry. It's still going to be involved in helping people. So how can we financially do that 10 years in the future? Well, we looked at it, and we had to make some adjustments, and that changes how we live today. So one of the big points is that whole area of finance. Second is your health. You you have to assess where are you for the long haul. Um, Kathy, in, in writing this book, in writing the chapter we're talking about, it, it caused uh, Kathy and I again to assess our health. Now, we don't have any major medical things going on. But we realized, you know, we were a little overweight. We weren't eating the way we really should. Um, I went, I found a health coach. If anybody, by the way, wants a health coach, I can refer a good one to you. I got a health coach. I ended up losing 70 pounds. My wife ended up losing over 30 pounds. And we are healthier people. We did it in our 60s because we want to be okay when we're in our 80s. Now, this applies any time of life, but you got to look at your health. you got to go to your doctor. you got to find out what you need to do to stay healthy. And many times, and particularly men, we just don't like to look at those things and we don't like to get, what if I go to the doctor and he tells me I really do have cancer? Well, you really do. So deal with it, dude. So anyway, take a look at that health thing. That's a big deal. Um, and then the third big point that you need to look at is really – um, time, how you spend your time. And that's what the core of this book is really finding meaning and purpose. What do you do with your time as opposed to sitting on a bench 
on a beach watching life go by and everybody else go out and catch the fish. How are you going to find meaning and purpose? And we're going to hear a story in just a minute uh, from Hans about a couple that did that, and they really thought through it. But that meaning and purpose, that's the target. And it's going to be different for everybody. We're not telling you what your meaning and purpose should be. We're saying you have to identify it as an individual or as a couple. So that's it. And then the fourth one, uh, and this is huge, and it, it sometimes gets overlooked, and many times it's approached inappropriately, and that is location. One of the biggest mistakes that they do, when they do these surveys about retirement and satisfaction, you know, people spend all their life working in Pittsburgh, they finally retire, and they go, great, I can now move to Florida. They move to Florida, and they don't know anybody. All their family and their friends are back in Pittsburgh. Now, the weather may be better in Florida. They know nobody, and they're kind of going, what did we do? Uh, so what you do about that, how you do it, it's if you want to move to Florida and retire 20 years from now, make sure you're going down there once a year to start making friends. Find your place. But the whole idea, again, is be intentional about your location and don't do something stupid and realize you end up living somewhere where you don't want to be so plan ahead That's a great transition to the story of Bill and Diane. I've heard people say, don't chase your children. In other words, don't move to be where they are because they're going to move again. But it's not. Sometimes it works well. My sister, Ursula, who spent her whole career in Indianapolis, they had a beautiful lake home outside of Indianapolis, and they sold their home a few years ago uh, because uh, their grandkids all live up in Portland. And they moved to Portland, and they're loving it. And by the way, guess what the name of their building is that they live in, in downtown Oregon? Encore. <laughs> it's I for love a, it. over 55 people, no kids. Wow. And, and when I told her we were writing this book, she said, that's cool. That's the name of my building. Now, hers is a success story. They gave up their beautiful lake home that they love because they knew this was a time of life of transition. And they're loving their new life in Portland. But let me tell you about a couple that didn't make wise choices. Uh, this is from the chapter called Great Expectations. And, you know, not only do we have expectations about what we're going to do in these encore years, but our kids have expectations. And sometimes those come into conflict with one another. Uh, Bill and Diane decided to sell their home in Colorado and move to North Carolina to be close to their grandkids. Being involved in the lives of their grandchildren was the deciding factor for the move. They sold their beautiful ranch and bought a spacious home in the same neighborhood as their children. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Do you feel a red flag coming on? <laughs> I'm worried. Okay, they're doing all this without really asking or consulting with the kids. They just think it's a great plan, and why not live on the same street? In their plans, they wanted to be sure that there was plenty of room in the house for the grandkids to roam. Okay, but not many months went by before the sparks began to fly between Grandpa and Grandma and Mom and Dad. The grandparents desired meals together as a family more often than was comfortable for the kids and grandkids. Uh, Bill and Diane wanted to be involved in many aspects of their grandchildren's community life and sports activities and, 
and they had plenty of financial resources to lavish on these grandkids. Well, it wasn't very long before a crisis happened and serious conflict erupted. Uh, the children got to the point where they wished their parents hadn't even moved to North Carolina because they were just smothering their children and grandchildren. Well, the story turned out well because the kids finally confronted their parents and said, you know what? We love you. We're glad you're here, but we got to set some boundaries and we feel like you're smothering our, our life. And, that, and that's a great illustration. You got to be careful. And when it comes to your involvement with your children and with your grandchildren, there's nothing more healthy than to just have some open discussion about it. So before you move across the country and follow your kids to where they are, you know, make sure they're okay with it. And and another cool thing about my sister is she decided to buy a home uh, in downtown Portland, about a half hour away from their kids. So it's not like they're on the same street. That's good. Uh, so there is the privacy factor. And in their case, it's working out just great. Well, we have another chapter. Uh, we're not covering all the chapters, but uh, I wrote the chapter on Old Dogs Can Learn New Tricks. One of our favorite shows in the Finzel household is uh, Mythbusters. And there was this Mythbusters show, you probably all know the show, where they, they take common legends and folklore and myths and they try to verify are they real or not. So they got a couple of really old dogs. And they wanted to see. <laughs> this is and sad. This is just yeah, sad. Yeah, I know. Last episode, we were talking about cats. <laughs> now we're talking about dogs. And these were grumpy old dogs that had been kind of had a history of disobedience and being unruly, didn't know any tricks, you know. And they taught these two old dogs some amazing tricks. And so they busted the myth. You can teach old dogs new tricks. Well, this stage of life, you know, we talk about in adolescence, you have to learn things like driving. You have to learn things like relating to the opposite sex appropriately. All the things in our older years we have to relearn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to take oh. that driving test again once you hit a certain well, age. Well, you know, we were talking about Peter Drucker, uh, who you studied under, and his wife... I think just recently passed away, but she uh, got her driver's license renewed at 99 years of age, and and she was ticked off they only gave her a one-year <laughs> license, and they said, ma'am, Mrs. Drucker, when you turn 100, we will not renew your license. <laughs> that was pretty interesting aside, but when you're an adolescent, you have to learn new skills, and we say at this stage of life... Uh, in the in the elder years, we we by the way don't like the word seniors, and uh, I don't like that word. I don't want to be ever called a senior. I don't know. Maybe it's just my own personal hang. What do you think of that word, senior? Well, it just has a lot of baggage with it. You yeah. know, it's just we've and what hung is the baggage? Of, we, we've we've hung, we've put a lot of labels on it. Uh, and when we were younger, we called kind of the old people that we didn't particularly like seniors. And so it, it's coming back to haunt us, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. But So then let's not use it. We're not. We don't like retirement. We don't like the word seniors. And if you have a, a over 50 group in your uh, church, for example, don't call them the senior group. They don't like it. Maybe the older generation was okay with it, but boomers are not okay with it. So you have to learn new skills at this stage of life. You know, that just reminds me, we kept, we've talked in these podcasts about what we were going to name this book, but the original title that you and I had 
were black sheep turning gray. Yeah. And I just, I like that I idea. It's like, like it. you know, we may be the generation that questioned a lot of stuff. Now, not everybody in the generation, as my wife reminds me, because she was actually a pretty good person, uh, much better than I was when she was younger. Um, it's not everybody was that black sheep generation, but that's the label the boomers have. And that those black sheep are turning gray. And there's just a whole new realm of life we need to look at in those, in those areas of choices. And we were the generation that always wanted to change the world. And I think we still want to be a significant generation that makes a difference. That's why we don't like those terms. Well, just as an illustration for me of a new skill I decided to learn was the skill of podcasting because I wanted to teach online. I love podcasting. It's free portable radio. I'm a teacher at heart. And so I took a, an intensive course. I put some money into it. I learned all the technology and everything surrounding how to be a podcaster. So here's this old dog who learned a great new trick, and I'm loving it. I'm passionate about it. I'm doing what I love. I'm loving what I'm doing. And that's our book is very positive, isn't it, Rick? It is. It's intended to get people to look forward and to try these new things and to, to be intentional about the future. And to find good stuff. Well, we want to uh, kind of finish up this podcast talking about... Uh, one of our great friends, Gandalf. Gandalf. Well, you know, when you ask me about Gandalf, I, I, I actually get excited and I get passionate because, you know, I'm a big fan of books, biographies, uh, movies, and and art in general, and you know, art—it's—it's it's up to everyone's own interpretation. Well, uh, you know, I've read um, Tolkien's books, The Hobbit, and Lord of the Rings, and as you as you read those books, everybody can actually get out of those a little bit of what they want, and different people are going to get different things. I believe that's the way the authors wanted it, and so when I read the whole narrative of Gandalf. Uh, it's just a visual look at what our lives can be. And so when we first meet Gandalf in The, in, um, the Hobbit, he's Gandalf the Grey, just your run-of-the-mill wizard. And he's out there. He's got Just a, your run-of-the-mill wizard. He, he's got a pretty big agenda, saving Middle-earth. Um, and he gets a ragtag group of people to help him kind of do this and he gets these hobbits well he's gandalf the gray now gandalf the gray when i first read the hobbit i related to gandalf the gray and basically it's a guy that's kind of in charge he has some responsibilities he's got some skills and he's kind of a command and control guy now he cares about people as wizards go pretty sensitive guy brings people along develops them mentors them pretty good participatory kind of leader, but for sure he's in charge of the expedition and, and that's okay. And then the Hobbit goes, comes back again. We're okay. Then we go into um, the Lord of the Rings and then in uh, well into that journey, something happens to Gandalf. He's actually protecting the group. You know, he fire, he falls into the fiery pits of Mordor. I think it is, uh, and we think it's all over for Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey goes down and he's gone protecting everyone. That's a good hero thing. But a short while, he comes back as Gandalf the White. He is reinvented. He comes back really at a higher level. 
Now, as I hear this story, as I interpret that into my older age of life, getting older, uh, it's like the Gandalf the White. That's the guy. He is a different guy when he comes back off as Gandalf the White. That's the next rung up in the wizard world. Now, Gandalf the White, he's not a command and control, control guy. He knows what needs to be done. He knows who can get it done. He doesn't make people do stuff. He's kind of in the background saying, hey, you know, you guys ought to head over to this battleground. Yeah, you better, you better kind of check in with your friends, the Eagles. You know, they're going to they're gonna help you in this. Deal. He's kind of giving suggestions. He's leading from the background. He's influencing. And he's encouraging those leaders that need to be leaders to step up. Now, we don't all build into leaders and do that. It's just, it might be just building into the people in our lives to help them be what they can be. But there is this stark contrast between Gandalf the Gray and Gandalf the White. And we're really talking about here about reinventing yourself. The person that got you to be in your early 60s isn't the same person that's going to get you to be into your 80s. You're a different person, different skills, different opportunities, different limitations for sure. And we've got to assess what those are, and we've got to reinvent ourselves. And that's the story of Gandalf the White. But for you and I, that's our story as well. That's awesome. Love it. Love the Lord of the Rings. We're all about discovering how to make the next years the best years. We ran across something that Max Lucado said that's one of the last quotes in our book, and I I just want to read it here. Uh, Your last chapters can be your best. Your final song can be your greatest. It could be that all your life has prepared you for this grand exit. God's oldest have always been among his choicest. And we actually have a whole chapter on who does God say that I am, where we go through scripture and we show God's attitude toward the people who are in their graying years of life. And guess what? He loves the graying years. He loves the people who are older just as much as he loves the young King Davids. And and we find that very encouraging. We're fearfully and wonderfully made for every stage of our life. Well, Rick, it's been a fun journey to write the book, and now we're enjoying launching the book. Any final words you want to say to our podcast listeners? Well, if you're listening and you're kind of saying, hey, you know, I'm coming up into my future, I'm anticipating it, we find most people feel a little, there's ambiguity involved, they're not sure what the steps are, sometimes there's a little fear of the unknown, we would just strongly encourage you to get this book walk through it. There are some plans. There's, it describes what's going on, how we got to where we are. It describes what the future could be, depending on what your choices are. And we're just saying, think about those choices, walk into this thing as prepared as you want to be. And we think you can have an incredible impact for the rest of your life if you're intentional about it. A game plan for what's next. You like like that? I like that. (laughs) There's a lot more uh, resources and uh, things on our website that we made just for this book called LaunchYourEncore.com. We are preparing a weekend seminar that we will be launching later in the year. 
and perhaps you'll have some interest in, in doing a workshop with us where we really help people develop their plans. Well, you know, just in the last day or two when we've been together here, Hans, we've been working on this workshop, and I really think, um, and maybe your group that you hang with, your church, whatever it is, would be interested, but it's going to be like this um, day and a half seminar, but it's really going to take all these things, and we're going to kind of walk people through uh, the whole process of identifying the situation, but we're actually going to have a workbook with it, and it's really going to put you on the path to developing your game plan to have a significant future. So uh, it could be, it's going to be a fun thing. What we do is it, we just make these things fun, and they're informative, but you walk away with something in your hand and say, you know what, I think I know what I can do to end up where I want to be. If you're interested in that seminar, we will be doing two beta tests in Southern California. Sometime here in the spring, we're working yeah. on those dates. So uh, go to LauncherEncore.com, and you can contact us there if you'd like to, or you can always contact me at my website, HansSinzel.com. Again, the book is Launch Your Encore, Finding Adventure and Purpose Later in Life by Hans Finzel and Rick Hicks, Baker Books Publishing, and it's available in Kindle format and print format. Thanks so much, Rick, for being on my show. I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. What are your leadership questions that I can answer for you on a future podcast? Please write me at HansFinzel.com and check out my leadership resources. And sign up for my free email updates. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.